0: Let me invite you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Ephesians, chapter 2. We're we'll going to be catching up with the second part of our, um, of our look at what reconciling power the cross has. And as you're turning, I forgot to bring this up on the platform with me, but um, if you're a first-time visitor, I um, want you to stop by the welcome desk and grab one of these from Pastor Lewis after the service. It's got some information about our church and some of our ministries but it also has something else. It's got a gift that we want to give you. Um, it's a travel coffee mug. Now, all you church members, are like, ooh, I want one of those. Can I be a first-time guest? Absolutely. You can have one for five dollars. Um, and we want you to get these. We've got a lot of these. We want to make sure you get in in your hand. Um, it's got our our church logo and everything on there, and be like, hey, where'd you get that snazzy cup? Well, come visit the church and you can have your own is what you can tell people and and introduce people to our church. Now, today only, I'm gonna offer you a deal, church members, on these. Today only. If you buy one for the price of two, we'll give you the second one free, okay? So it's today only, so uh, see us after the service. We will have these available for you. Ephesians chapter two is where we're going to be. Looking at what God has done for us, looking at the power of the cross in your life and my life and the transformation in society that the cross will bring. Follow along with me as we start in verse 14. For Jesus is our peace, who made both groups one and tore down the dividing wall of hostility in his flesh. He made no effect of no effect the law consisting of commandments and expressed in regulations so that he, Jesus, might create in himself one new man from the two resulting in peace. He did this so that he might reconcile both to God in one body through the cross by which he put hostility to death. He came and proclaimed the good news of peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. Let's pray together. Holy God, we do thank you again for, for the cross For your love, your love that was shown in that while we were sinners, you would send your son to to die for us, to change us by what you did, to transform us out of the average ordinary everyday in life to something new, something beautiful, something made in your image, but Redeemed. So Father, we pray today that you would bring to our hearts, bring to our minds a better picture of what reconciliation looks like and how we, First Baptist Church in Fairburn, Georgia, step forward in faith, step forward with the power of the gospel, step forward in the light of the cross to demonstrate something beautiful, something dynamic, something amazing that you did. We ask this in the name of Jesus, Amen. This morning we get into this passage of scripture and we get into what what God is doing and so let's just kind of back up a little bit and kind of see where we've been in chapter two over the last few weeks because we we've had a lot of things going on over the last three or four weeks we had uh, we had revival services then we had Easter and and so we're we're kind of backing out a little bit. Um, earlier into February or into March um, of where we were with this passage in chapter two. So it starts off in chapter two, starting in verse one, that we were dead in our trespasses and sin, but verse four, God made us alive because of our faith in Christ Jesus. He he transferred us from this death to a, a life. And then we saw a couple of weeks ago, right before Easter, we saw how, again, Paul uses this image, starting in verse 11, says, look, you were not people of God. You didn't have a true identity. You were out there castricized from what is the community of faith, but God did something and brought you in by the power of Christ and now you by faith are in him. And so we're going to look at kind of what the outpouring of that movement of God is in our life and what reconciliation looks like for us today as First Baptist Church of Fairburn as Christians in Southeast America as Christians in the 21st century embrace the power of the cross in our lives because too often the church falls victim to society in that we look more like society than we do like the cross. We look more like what the world around us has portrayed and less like what the redemptive power of the gospel of Jesus Christ has wrought in our lives. So let me share with you a few things that Jesus has done. I want you to look there in your worship guide if you wanna fill in the blanks as we go. Notice with me that Jesus is at the center of this because we don't get where we're supposed to be. We don't get to where God would have us to be if we leave Jesus out it's all about Christ, it's all about him. The first thing Paul shows us that Jesus is our peace Verse 14 says right there, he is our peace. We who are the uncircumcised, we who were the Gentiles by ethnic background were not part of the Jewish tradition. We didn't have the promise. We didn't have the protection of being God's people. We were outside, but it says in verse 13 that we who were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Why? Verse 14, Christ Jesus is our peace and peace. Peace. It's what the world tries to promise but can't. It's it's what. Everything in your world around you tries to offer from the music you put into your ears to the food you put into your stomach to the wisdom, knowledge, understanding, reading that you put into your brain. Everything in the world tries to say, do this and you'll have peace. Try this and you'll have peace. Go see this doctor about that problem. He'll give you that pill or or that syringe and that will give you peace. Be friends with them, you'll have peace. Anybody ever had a friend that didn't disappoint them in some way, in some, some fashion? I didn't see a hand go up. Anybody have a friend that at some way and some port, somehow did let you down and did interrupt your life with something of brokenness? All the wives threw their hands up fast. <laughs> Every last one of them. See, what Paul shows us is that there's this division and brokenness in the world around us. But Jesus Christ is the only one who truly offers peace. Notice what it says about Jesus and his peace. It says, he is our peace who made both groups into one and tore down the dividing wall of hostility in his flesh. Now, I don't want you to miss this dramatic move, this dramatic stroke of reconciliation and redemption that happens here. See, barriers that divide us as people have been torn down by Christ. It says there that he tore down the dividing wall. So let me give you a little context to what Paul's talking about. See, in the first century, they didn't have the Baptist church and the Methodist church and the Episcopalian church and the AME church and the church of God of holiness. And they didn't have this, they didn't have that. It it was, if you were a faith in God person, you went to the temple to worship. Now, it didn't matter if you were a son of Abraham or if you were a son of not Abraham, you still went to the temple to worship. But, but when you got to the temple, there was this little dividing wall that was out there. And there were signs posted on it that says, any Gentile, that is any non-ethnically Jewish person who crosses this line does so at the penalty of death. So you can come worship our God, but you got to kind of stay over here. And because you're ethnically different, you can't worship God as closely as we can because we're close, you're far. We're close, you're far. And it says there that Jesus in his flesh obliterated that dividing. Jesus in his flesh said, it doesn't matter how dark your skin is or how light your skin is. It doesn't matter what your education level is or isn't. It doesn't matter what kind of job you have, what kind of job you don't have. It doesn't matter if you're tall or short, fat or skinny, beautiful or lacking there. It does not matter. You can come to the throne room of God. So imagine with me this morning that as you were coming into the doors of this sanctuary and you're going, oh man, they got wood up there on the ceiling and they got screens and they got Jesus lit up back here so everybody can see him shining. Oh, they're going to do baptism. And our ushers greeted you at the door and said, oh, Spanish is your primary language. So we're going to put you over here in this back corner. Okay, you, you are of African-American descent, so we're going to put you in the balcony, and, and, and all of you Anglos, we're going to put you down here at the front. Anybody would have been upset about that? Naturally, you should be. Just a word on the ushers, if they did do that, you'd have an issue with me. See, the reason we don't do that is because in Christ Jesus, there is no Jew, there is no Gentile, there is no slave, there is no free, there is no male, there is no female. We are all brought in to the same throne of the same God at the same cross to see that Jesus tore down the dividers that we set up. He he, he took it all away. Every single bit of it. And yet, we live in a society that still wants to classify you based on which side of the tracks you grew up, which school you went to, you know, how, how, how offensive you may look wearing a hoodie. We, we, we want to put classifications and we want to put barriers and we want to introduce division that Jesus said, guess what? My blood covered that. He says in this passage of scripture, you're gonna to come to worship in the church, in the temple, and you're gonna stand there looking, looking like a fool because you're at the wall saying, you can't come here because you're ethnically different. He says, no, 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 Jesus blew that wall up. Yeah. You, you remember, you remember uh, uh, President Reagan um, those of you born after like 1980, you might not remember him except for what your grandparents told you about him. But President Reagan, um, uh, he, he, had this, he had this nice campaign against communism in the East. And then the, 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 the words of George H.W. Bush in 1989, uh, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. And that wall that divided East Germany from West Germany went straight through the middle of Berlin. That wall that separated a communist idea from the rest of the free world was torn down. To a greater degree, that wall that says, you can't cross this because you are ethnically different. Jesus says, I want you all because I came to save every race, every tribe, every tongue, every nation from their sin. But, but we live in a world that says, no, no. We're gonna keep propping up these ethnicities that we didn't ask for. I'm I'm grieved this morning because I find out in the last couple of days that in the town where we live, in Noonan, there is a National Socialist Movement that's gonna come and parade their whiteness around as though it's something that will glorify themselves over anybody else. That's sin. That is a racist, sinful attitude that stands opposed to the gospel of Jesus Christ in its very form. And Paul says, "Uh, you were far off, but Christ brought in peace by taking in his flesh the ability and the priority of breaking down that barrier that divides people. It divides people. And, and then he goes on and says, he shows how we did it. He says, he made of no effect the law consisting of commands and expressed in regulations so that he might create in himself one new man from the two. See, what Jesus does as the creator is to create something new, create something new better create a royal priesthood a a race of his people that are not characterized by socioeconomic or ethnic background but the mark of the cross he creates something new he creates something better and it says that what he does is he makes the law no effect now here's why this is important It's not saying, okay, well, you don't have to obey American law. He's talking about the law of God that separated the sinner from God. That's why the law was given. The law was given in the Old Testament not to say, here's a list of rules that you have to live by. It was given so you could see, I can't live by these rules by myself. I need someone to save me. I need someone who can come and live up to these rules for me on my behalf because I can't do it. Just, just as an exercise this week, because I know you have a lot of spare time, go start reading through the book of Leviticus and, and, and take two pens with you, a blue one and a red one. And, and every verse in the book of Leviticus that, that you read that you didn't uphold perfectly, um, just go ahead and mark it red. And, and I'm going to go ahead and tell you that if we lived by the Levitical law that was given by Moses, all of us would be dead. Every one of us. You know why? Because I know everybody in here at some point, some way, has backtalked their mama, and it says in the book of Leviticus, you do that, you're going to be put to death. (laughs) Woo! And all the mamas said, Amen. And all the mamas remembered, Hey, I did that too. (laughs) Yeah. You can't. The law of God was given to show that you can't do it. You need someone. It doesn't matter if you've been in in church for 50 years or for 50 minutes, you can't do it. You needed someone to stand in your place that could do it to say, you know what? This divider that's between you and you is also a divider that's between you and me. And I'm going to take that down because I'm going to make the law of no effect. Some of your translations may say that he abolished the law of commandments. See, the, 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 the word there that, that Paul uses, I love the way it's nuanced in the, in the Christian standard Bible that it made it of no effect. Because Jesus said in the book of Matthew chapter 5, verse 17, I didn't come to abolish the law, I came to fulfill it. I came to complete the righteous requirement. I came to say, you know what, it is done. You know, like when you go and you, you pay that final bill, like let's say you've, you've got a car um, and you're paying on it every month and you, you go and you make that final payment and they put that stamp on there, doom, paid in full, right? That's what Jesus did on the cross. He put that stamp of fulfilled, paid in Christ. There's no more debt owed. And he did that of making the law of no effect so that in his flesh, he took on all of the wrath of God for us. F- for us. And Paul says here, in this, he made the law no effect, of commands and expressed in regulations so that he might create in himself a new person in the place of two. See, in the Jewish mind, you were either Jewish or not Jewish. So right now in our church, we have roughly 14 nations represented. Our Spanish ministry um, isn't in here this morning, but we have, man, we, we, we literally cover um, the globe. We have, um, we have Nigeria, we have... Mexico, we have uh, Peru, we have Colombia, we have Trinidad, uh, we have uh, Jamaica, we have Haiti. We've we've got a lot of countries that are that are classified just nationalistically here, and so so it's not like you could say, okay, you've got you've got um, Jews and everybody else. We look at it and say, okay, well we've got uh, people from Georgia, we've got people from here, we've got people from here. But see, in the Jewish mind, it was you are either Jew or you're not a Jew. And Paul says, look what Jesus did. He took all you who were not Jew and he took all you who were Jew and in faith in Christ, in faith in his death, in faith in his resurrection, in faith in the fact that he is the son of God and the grace of God was poured out on your life that in him all of your sins could be forgiven. He made you one. He made you one. A royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of his own possession, And what's the result of that? Peace. Peace. See, he says in that passage of scripture that when he created in himself one new man from two, it results in peace. Now, now don't get this idea that peace is pure tranquility and the absence of any type of conflict. No, what peace is, is an understanding of the sovereign reign of God so that we can settle our disagreements, our disputes with the honor of Christ before us and therefore come out stronger and better on the other side. It's, it's kind of like in a marriage. Every person who's ever been married knows that you don't go through your entire marriage without disagreements or arguments or fights. But if you are looking to the future of your marriage, if you are looking to that 50th anniversary, no matter if you're at year one or year 49, if you are looking to that 50th year, you know you're gonna come through on the other side in peace and stronger than you were before. Because there is an end, there's an end goal that's not just, I'm gonna have my way right now. That's gonna obliterate everything. See, what the gospel does, it says there's an end, there's something better, there's the peaceful reign of God in Christ Jesus that we're all striving for, that we're all running towards. And he says here in this passage of scripture, that's why it results in peace. Because we go from being divided to being unified in Christ moving forward. And, and, And I love this. I love this because we strive for peace in so many areas. We strive for it at work. We strive for it raising kids. If, there, if there's peace in our house with three kids, it's because they're asleep. Um, we strive for it in our marriages. Are you looking for peace in society? Are you looking for peace in, in, in politics? See, this is where we continue to run. This is where we try to medicate this need for peace and for understanding. We try to run everywhere else with it, but Paul shows us right here that in the gospel, it only comes through Christ Jesus, who is our peace. You will not know peace in this life if you are outside of Christ. You won't. You will get swept up in the winds of societal change, the winds of societal ideology, the the winds that promote uh, 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 ethnic, ethnic superiority, that promote financial superiority, that promote some sort of substance dependence, some sort of relational dependence. You will find yourself struggling and striving for everything else that always leaves you empty until you come to Christ. See, this is a bigger statement for those of you who are already in Christ, but still struggling with peace. You're looking everywhere else, but not looking to the one who saved you. You're not looking to the one who said, you know what? I took all of this in my flesh and I obliterated that barrier, that dividing wall. So quit bashing your head against something that's not there. He says, I am your peace. But then he goes on a little bit further. And he shows us that Jesus is also our reconciliation. Notice with me what he says there in verse 16. Notice what he says about Jesus, why he did it. He said he did it so that he might reconcile both to God in one body through the cross by which he put to death hostility. I love the word reconcile. See, the word reconcile brings us to this picture, this idea of mending something that's broken, putting something back together that has actually been broken. So you can you can reconcile your bank account. We use that word a lot of times in accounting. We talk about reconciling our bank account. So you look online and you say, okay, I've got this much money. Look at the checkbook; it says I don't have this much money. And so you're starting, you start. You got to reconcile. You got to put it back together. You you fix it. You make it right. See, Jesus comes in to offer this reconciliation and this peace that he offers shows us that Jesus reconciles people with people. He reconciles people with people, but he does so when we don't behave like the world. Sometimes the reason we still have brokenness in our relationships is we're trying to handle them the way that the world shows us to handle them. We we try to fight fire with fire rather than fight fire with the Holy Spirit of God in Christ Jesus. I don't know if you've ever read, it was in our weekly email this week, I linked it on our blog, and I apologize, a couple of people mentioned they've tried to make comments this week as we're trying to dialogue about some, some ways that we can demonstrate a, a greater equality and, and, and bridge in our church this, this, this unified body of Christ uh, cross-ethnically um, right here, and um, I referenced the letter from a Birmingham jail by Dr. Martin Luther King, I don't know if you've ever read that, if you've never read it, you, you need to read it. Because, because it, is, it is so poignant in how it points to how we, the church, must be on the front lines of social injustice and, 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 and social wrongs everywhere. And one of the statements he makes, you've probably seen it quoted, it's probably been on a meme or on a coffee mug or somewhere, that a threat to justice anywhere is a threat, threat to justice everywhere. Yeah, some of you threw it out there. You knew the statement. And and so so what happens is we in with injustice in heart and mind unknowingly continue to handle the world our problems the way of the world and one of the things that Martin Luther King said in in this letter from a Birmingham jail he's making his case for his nonviolent action his nonviolent protest that he took he said listen if if the world, if society does not heed the nonviolent voice that is calling out to it, there will be no choice but for those to resort to violence in order to be heard. And and this peace that Christ Jesus offers, the church must be on the forefront of asking the question of where are our brothers and sisters in Christ that are ethnically different than us, where are they experiencing racism and injustice? See, it's easy for us to to look at TV shows or look at TV news reports and everything at what happened in Ferguson and Baltimore and in Dallas a couple of years ago and say, well, why are they acting that way? When the question should be, what has caused them to see that this is the only way to make their voice heard? As long as we, the church, turn a blind eye to racial injustice in our country, we're doing two things. One, we're forcing the hand of our enemy to say, you know what, I'm gonna do it my way. I'm gonna handle the world's way. And two, we are complicit in the sinful negligence of the rights of people made in the image of God. We've gotta talk about it, church. Jesus came and died to break down the dividing wall, period. We will not know peace until we infuse Christ Jesus into the social makeup of our society. That's what the book of Ephesians is all about. Guess what? That's what redemption is about. How God changes our hearts that we could enact his kingdom power here because we know that kingdom is coming. Because we know that one day we're all gonna be part of that kingdom and it's not comfortable, it's not easy, it's not, the, it's not the most savvy thing in the world to do to be a voice for the voiceless, but it's the right thing to do. I, I remember in third grade, my teacher was Miss Jones. I'm convinced she didn't like me, but um, I'm convinced a lot of my teachers didn't like me for various reasons. I, I don't know why, there's something wrong with them, I guess. Um, but she had this, she had this, you know, this little teacher say, you know, uh, I think teachers probably still use them or whatever. It's little little pieces of paper, probably about eleven by seventeen size, that have these nice little phrases or whatever, like you know, um, your your altitude is determined by your attitude, those kind of things. But she had one that that said, and it always stuck out to me. I didn't heat it in third grade, but I, it stuck out to me later. It said this: Do what's right, even if you're standing alone. When you embrace the peace of Christ in the gospel and you decide that you're gonna make a stand for what Christ Jesus died to accomplish, you might end up standing alone on some things. But as long as it's tethered to the truth of scripture, not some worldly ideology, not some world thought, but what Christ Jesus did in our heart, in our lives, and has accomplished by our faith when he died on the cross for our sins and for our brokenness to bring us as adopted children of God, you You might stand alone, but you're gonna be standing on the foundation of Christ Jesus. And I'll stand with you. Because Jesus is our peace. He reconciles us. Look look, look around. Look look around our sanctuary. You, you, You don't get a congregation with this kind of ethnic diversity if you do not have the peace of Christ reigning in your heart, We don't. Oh yeah, we could put, put a big group of people together. But for it to be a gospel-driven church of Jesus Christ, you don't get it without Christ. Why? Because Christ is our peace. But notice what else he does. The, the, this, this peace and this reconciliation to one another is part of why he has reconciled us to God. Jesus reunites us to God. He's like, okay, reunite might be a little bit odd word to use there, Evan, because you've already showed us that we were dead in our trespasses, and Paul showed us that we weren't God's people. God made us in his image and his likeness for one purpose and one purpose only, that we could bring him glory, that we could glorify him, that we could know who he is and rejoice in the beautiful world that God has made and the beautiful nature of who God is in his presence before his throne. But there was an there was a piece of fruit that was eaten in sin. And when it was eaten, the, the, the unity with God was disrupted. But Christ Jesus took in his flesh all of our sin, took on the wrath of God so that we could be reunited with God. Look at what he says there, starting in verse 16. He says, he did this so he might recognize Reconcile both, the Jew, the Gentile, both, all ethnics, all people, all nations, all tribes, all tongues, through faith in Christ Jesus, reconciled where? To God. Why reconciled to God? Because sin is an offense of God's law. See, sin in its basic nature, in its basic essence, is selfishness. It's me seeking my desire, what I want right then, no matter what the word of God says, no matter what the Bible says, no matter what I believe is actually right. It's what I want right then. You can boil it down to that. You can boil race relations down to that. You can boil um, choosing to steal, murder, anger, gossip, lust. You can, all of them, boil down to what I want, selfishness. And when we say it's what I want, then we are saying, God, I don't care what you want. And we say, God, I don't care what you want. We've introduced this brokenness. And guess what? Jesus reunites us to God. He reconciles us to God. This is what the death, the life. This was like, you're not my people, but now you are my people. <clears throat> That's what it's all about. But notice how he does it. Notice that he says here in this passage of scripture that he did this through the cross, You are only reunited to God through the cross of Jesus Christ. You do not get to God. You do not get to the throne of God without the cross of Christ in this life. And, and I want you to carefully hear me say in this life. Because everybody eventually will get to the throne of God. But if you don't go through the cross of Jesus Christ in this life, you're not gonna wanna be at the throne of God. Because that is not a throne, that no longer is a throne of saying, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into your reward. It is a throne of eternal judgment where you will say, God, I'm so sorry, and he will say, it is so late. Through the cross of Jesus Christ in this life, you can stand before God without fear and say, I trusted in your son. I know you. And Jesus will say, guess what? I am his intercessor. I am his mediator. He did come to faith in Christ. He did come to faith in me in that life. He did come to the cross. God, Father, he is one of yours. That's where I want to stand. That's what Jesus did. He gave you the right to become a son, an adopted child of God through the cross. You can't take the cross out of it. You take the cross out, you wanna do that because you wanna take the sin out and you can't take the sin out because we're all sinners and we're all dead in our trespasses and sin. You gotta go through the cross. And notice, notice with me here that this has ended hostility. His death on the cross ended hostility. Notice, I love this, I love it. He says that he did this so that he might reconcile both to God in one body through the cross by which he put the hostility to death. Now, I want you to walk through this with me just for a second. I want you to walk through this. And it's most basic understanding and basic meaning and following the lines of text, following the lines of scripture. He is speaking specifically of the hostility of God towards your sin. The hostility that we introduced as enemies of God. Christ Jesus reconciled. He put that hostility to death. So then if our hostility, the enmity, the the ill favor that we put between us and God because of sin has been removed, why do we still live in hostility with one another? Why do we who claim the cross of Jesus go on Facebook and social media rants about this, that, and the other? Why do we look at people at Walmart as though we're better than they are? Why do we continue to put up with a system in place that says just because your skin is darker, you're not worth it? Why do we embody in practice the hostility? When we should be on the front lines of peace, when, when, when we should be the ones who show the power that the peace of God has because we felt it, because we've lived it, because we saw ourselves condemned before a holy God until Jesus said, no, no, no. I took that wrath. I took that punishment. I took that blame for you. A love that Paul pulls us in And we can't get away. And you say, man, you're talking a lot about race, man. You're talking a lot about uh, race tensions and everything. You know why? Because they haven't gone away. Because the sting of racism is still felt all across our country. Some of us don't experience it. Some of us don't feel it but we have to awaken ourselves to it so that we can walk through with our brothers and sisters in Christ who do to where they can see there's a day coming where it's not gonna be, where it's not gonna happen. And it's not gonna happen at First Baptist Church of Fairburn because we put the cross first. We put the cross first in our ethnic makeup way back somewhere, way back, 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 because we are new in Christ. And, and I know, I'm, I'm just just a moment of confession for you. I haven't always thought this way. It's been the conviction of the gospel in my heart and in my life that has helped me to see a, a more beautiful picture of what God has done. to, to see through some of the, 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 the mishaps of our history as Americans to, to, to truly live with liberty and justice for. And as the gospel works in our hearts, it brings us to this understanding that this is what Jesus has done. It's not just about social issues, but the gospel will affect social issues because the gospel affects all of us to the core. Right right, right into the very, very heart of who we are, the gospel transcends the gospel causes us to rise above the muck and the mess and the mire of the world to show what is true what is right and what is better which is Christ Jesus his death ended hostility and notice it says there in verse 17 that Jesus came and proclaimed the good news of peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near Jesus proclaims peace. There again, right in the center of this text, he brings the racial divide that the Jews, the, 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 those that were in Christ of a Jewish background were trying to put against those who were of a Gentile background who were also in Christ. You Jews might've been the first to hear of peace because I believe in the gospel. And it says in Romans chapter one, verse 16, is the power of salvation. First to the Jew, then to the Gentile. Why? Because the Jews had the promise that the Messiah, the savior was coming and Jesus was born as a Jew. Jesus was born into a Jewish world. Jesus was born to a Jewish family. Jesus was a Jew, but the Jews said, we're gonna, we don't want this Messiah. We want some sort of king. We want some sort of political leader. And so it unleashed the gospel for all the world because God God's plan was not to just redeem one group of people, but to redeem all people through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he comes and he proclaims peace and says, you might be here, you might be there, but I am the savior of you everywhere. But you gotta come through the cross. You gotta come through the cross. When you come through the cross, we see Jesus one last way as our access. Notice he says there in verse 18, for through him, through Christ Jesus, Both of us have access in one spirit where? To the Father. To the Father. We've got the same daddy. We've got the same daddy. We might've gotten into that family a little bit different, had different people influence us and different people come to us with the gospel. But through the one Holy Spirit that was given uh, and when Christ ascended, the one Holy Spirit that filled his first apostles in the church, that one Holy Spirit that unleashed the power of the gospel in this world, we all come to this same God as Father. Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse six, I am the way, the truth and the life. Nobody, no Jew, no Gentile. Nobody comes to the Father but through me. Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse nine, I am the door. Not a door, the door. You wanna get to where he is, you go through him who is the door. He's our access. So where are you still divided where where are you divided maybe your division is that you're still divided from God you've never trusted Christ in faith let me let me just let me just get you to listen to me for just a second there's only one way to have the fullness of the peace of God Everything that you're doing in your life is going to leave you utterly helpless. It's going to leave you wishing for it. So don't rely on your intellect. Don't rely on your bank account. Don't rely on your friends. Rely on Christ. You have a condition called sin. And that sin is showing you that you can do it on your own. But you can't. You need the one who did it for you. You need the one who abolished the power of the law. You need the one who broke down the barrier that divides. If you are divided right now, it's because you have not come through the cross to God. You have no access. But he's given you an all-access pass in him. Maybe this morning... Man, you've got access. You know Christ. You've trusted him. But you still find some hostility wrestling in your heart. You still find some division right there within your soul. Friend, let me tell you. The light of the gospel through the power of the Holy Spirit will shine into every crevice of your heart and reveal something there that is uncomfortable. That is wrong. That is sin. Just because you came to faith in Jesus Christ doesn't mean you're gonna be sinless, but it does mean that you're gonna live in light of the sinless Savior who will continue to draw him. Are you still divided against your brother or sister in Christ? See, in just a moment, we're gonna be taking the Lord's Supper. It's a time that we will worship what Christ has done and putting to death this hostility in his flesh by opening up the floodgates of heaven where the Holy Spirit was poured out for us because his blood was shed, his body was broken to cover our sins. But let me warn you against coming to this table, against taking of this cup, against taking of this this bread, this broken body, still divided from your brother, your sister in Christ. Still being divided against man-made barriers. Still being divided by handling things the way of the world. In a little bit, we're gonna have a time of invitation. We're gonna have a time where where we offer for, for you to know Who Christ Jesus is but before we get to that I'm gonna ask Miss Judy if she can just play for a moment before we take the Lord's Supper because I want to give you an opportunity to search your heart and ask the question where am I still divided where have I brought hostility where Christ is offering peace where am I where am I pushing against a dividing wall that Christ has torn down Where where have I said, no, 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 no. I'm gonna do it my way and remain divided from God. Where? As she plays, I'm gonna ask you to bow your heads and consider in prayer. Maybe there's somebody in this room against whom you have some division, some bitterness or hostility. They might not know it. Would you be so bold as to embrace the power of the gospel and go to them right now and seek forgiveness? If Jesus provided the way for you to know peace and to be reconciled, go to them. Go to them now. Pray with them. Maybe someone has offended you and they don't know it but you haven't been able to get peace in your relationship with them because that hostility just rattles go to them and offer forgiveness go go to them and let them know hey you didn't realize this happened but this is what happened And, and I want you to know that in Christ we have peace together